0: Welcome to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Chris Fallaton. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit iBethel.org.
1: Well,
0: what a great day already. Can we just give it up for the worship teams today? That was just so beautiful. (laughs) Pastor Bill has been actually sick on and off for several months, and they finally uh, diagnosed it. He has a... Problem where his uh, upper and lower intestines come together. There's, um, I I don't know what the technical name, but it's it's all swollen there. It's it's necessary for him to have surgery, so he'll be in surgery on Tuesday, and uh, be out for approximately 30 days for uh, the recovery. So I thought it'd be good if we just grabbed hands just across the aisle. You don't have to stand. We just prayed for him this morning. Yeah, you don't have to stand. I'm sorry. We're passing bags, so (laughs) that's good right there. Really. So. Holy Spirit, we just release health and healing on Bill right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray that the great physician would take control of this situation. We pray for a surgery without complications and full recovery, faster than diagnosed. In Jesus' name. And we thank you for Bill. In fact, we just pray for his healing before he even gets there. That would even be better. (laughs) Cheaper and better. (laughs) And we just thank you for Bill in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I made some notes because anybody else, is anybody else in here forgetful? Yeah. Kathy's got alarms go, that go off like every 15 minutes. What's that one? That's to remind me to tell you I love you.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, Eric and, and Candace sing their love to you today too. Yay. I remembered everything on the list. And now I want every single mom, if you're a single mom and you're raising children right now, would you just stand? You're raising children right now. Would you just stand? <laughs> Woo-hoo! Stay standing. First, we want to say we bless you. We love you. We understand the challenge it is as a single mom. I, my mother was a single mom for several years in our life, and so I have firsthand um, experience on what it's like to be the responsibility and what it's like to be raised by a single mom. So I want to say from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of our hearts, we love you. We're proud of you. You're doing a great job, no matter how it feels. And we have a tradition in this house, and one of those, one of those traditions are that we'd like to just give to you right now. So while those moms are standing, I'd love for you just to take out some cash and just bless our single moms. We did it in first service. Somebody can come. Lauren, would you just come and get that? And just give it to a mom, a single mom that's standing. I'd just love to just bless them right now.
1: Oh, this is. Yeah, may
0: God just multiply this, too rest down, shaking together, running out all over, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Thank you so much, God. Is this beautiful or what? Yes. Uh! So good. So good. So beautiful. So, we're doing that in the overflow room too, I assume. <laughs> awesome. Well, obviously, today's Mother's Day, and uh, I'm thankful for mothers. I wouldn't have been here without one. I'm very thankful for my mother. My mother uh, almost died on us last year. In fact, three times we were called to the hospital, the doctor said she won't live through the night. The last time we actually we, were, uh, we had an appointment to get a plot at the cemetery and we were picking out caskets and, uh, you know, we were, Kathy was on the phone while we were driving down with the mortuary and my sister called back and said, something miraculously happened and mom's going to recover. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom decided to stay with us, I mean on the planet, and uh, she's, actually, um, get, she's actually well, she's home, recovered from cancer, just took another test about two weeks ago, totally cancer free. And so, very, very glad to get my, my mother back on the, in, in good health. So, but uh, last night, yesterday, I was actually preparing for the day. I set aside um, a few hours just to prepare for this day because I really wanted to have a Mother's Day message. And my son-in-law, who pastors the church, Bill and uh, Benny, left, well, we all left, in Weaverville, he said, hey, I've got a panel of moms coming up, and they're going to share. And I thought, I ought to have Kathy come up and share with me and just team teach. So we haven't done this a lot together, mostly because Kathy's been a chicken. But anyway, I don't want to say <laughs> uh... For years and years, I'd say, well, you want to share tonight? No. Why don't you teach her? No. And, and now, you know, all the time, people are like, the students are always like, when's Kathy going to preach? So she's preaching through me. Just a male's voice. So I thought it'd just be great to hear from Kathy, and we're kind of kind of team teach, and we did it in first service, and thought it was really beautiful. So we're just going to start right now. Like, what are some of the most important things you've learned about motherhood?
1: Well, you know, this morning when I was laying in bed, I we we'd actually talked about some of the things we're going to talk about today, and I was laying in bed thinking, you know, one of the I think the, one of the main things for moms to know.
0: We're like cats. Is that you
1: need a husband to fix you? Thank you. Not the way
0: that sounded, I'm sorry. Keep talking. Honey, this one's being
1: recorded.
0: Yes, awesome. Very good. good. Go ahead, babies.
1: Thank you. Now you can see why we don't do much of this. Actually, he's notorious for that 5.30 a.m. flight out of Reading, and then he'll whip out his phone and he'll say, smile, honey, we're going to do a video at like 4.30, 5.30 in the morning. That's why we don't do much of this. Anyway, I I was thinking this morning about just um, moms and, and young moms, and sometimes we get wrapped up in everything that's going on throughout our day. And we feel like we're never measuring up to where we should be. And as we, we tend to listen to the voice of the enemy that says, you should have done this, or you should have spent more time with your kids, or you were being selfish today, you really should have whatever. And I just want to let you guys know, let you gals know that you are doing a good job. Come on. You are
0: doing a Come on.
1: good job. Don't
0: listen to the voice of the devil. Listen to the voice of mama.
1: That's right. You're doing a good job. And if you, you know, there, there's times where we can say, ah, oh, I could have done that better. And that's fine if that's a place where you're at. But if you know that you've given it your all, you are doing your best. And so I just want to, I just want to shut down the voice of the enemy that will try to come to you every day saying, you are not good enough. Because that's, um, that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to come and steal, kill, and destroy everything that's happening inside um, your life as a mom, and you know, you. Know, it doesn't matter if you're raising children at this age in life, from a little baby, or if they're teenagers or beyond. You know, we're we're actually raising world changers. We're raising world changers, and it's such. God has given us as moms such an important job, and I realize that there's moms that are stay-at-home stay-at-home moms, and there's moms that are. Um, working also, depending upon what their situation is and what God's called each one of you to. But no matter where you are in that stage of life, you are raising world changers. And it's such an awesome privilege to be um, able to say that as a mom, you are making a difference. You're making a difference.
0: That's a good word. So speaking of making a difference, Mm -hmm. see how I flowed with you? What's one thing that you learned when our kids were growing up? What's some of the things you've learned that actually you'd like to just repeat, and, and maybe some new moms here or some, um, some moms that are struggling here, what, what have you learned that really would, could help them?
1: Um, I think one of, the, one of the things that we always tried to do in our home was make things fun um, for the kids. We tried to make our home a place where all the kids would want to come to. And every, I haven't met one kid that didn't like to eat. And so... Or husband poor husband. And, you know, cooking is my one of my passions. And so I always made sure that there was plenty of food in the house. It didn't matter um, if the kids were really little or if they were really big and coming home from games or proms or whatever. Um, they'd, they'd bring all their friends over and they would just raid my refrigerator. They would raid my cupboards. In fact, they knew my cupboards better than I did. We, I think every day that the kids were home growing up, I baked. I baked something. And whatever I baked, it was completely gone by the evening. And so I started, I told my girls, I said, we need, we need to do something. We need to hide this food because it's just devoured. It's going too fast. You so make we,
0: four dozen cookies and by after the evening, they're all they're gone. They're gone.
1: They're just totally gone. So we started, we started the hiding. kids were piranhas. We started hiding things in the closets. We started, and then I got the idea, you know what? We should just freeze it because then if it's hard, they won't eat it. <laughs> then they discovered that, oh, wow, we like frozen cookies way better than day-old cookies. So, you know, just having a fun place for the kids to, to come and to, to hang out. and.
0: So and now we all like Chris. frozen cookies. <laughs> like she'll bake fresh book cookies. We're like, put those in the freezer. We'll eat them that way from ditching the cookies all those years yeah so yeah so we we always want our home to be the place kids want to go so Kathy got an idea one year that we should that we should buy pool you know (laughs) one of those you know doughboy pools we didn't have any money and she's like oh the kids will use it all the time they used it about they were like in it like four times in like eight years until it finally got a hole in it and yeah that didn't work too well but, but our house was a place... How many... What were you looking at me for? I didn't make the hole.
1: I used it.
0: I, yeah, you used it. Kathy's I did, like, I, I swim in it. Like, pool. yeah, both days.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, you ever make a decision, then you realize it's not the right one, but then you have to, like, swim in the pool just so you can say I made the right decision? I'm not saying she did that, but I just like to mention that sometimes people do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so your house should be a place... <laughs> A fun place that your kids actually want to be at. It shouldn't be the cosmic no-home. Come to the cosmic no-home and hear what all the things you shouldn't be doing. No, it should be a fun place, right? Yes. Yes.
1: One of the things that I don't... Uh, should Go I ahead. tell the story. Should, yeah. should I tell a story? It's streaming. Uh, I'll, I'll tone it down. Okay.
0: No, you can tell it.
1: Oh, okay. I need to be
0: fixed. I'm sorry. I'm trying to fix you. I think you have one ear that's lower than the other. Maybe that's a
1: Or my earring good. or something. Good. So one of, one of the things, Brian will, Brian will like this story. One of the things that Chris was known for was gathering a bunch of guys together during like a football game or a basketball game. All, we had bunches of people over all the time, especially a lot of kids. And then all of a sudden, one of the, one of the guys would say, so Chris, talk to us about, you know, that.
0: And so then we'd have sex talks at halftime. And it got to be the, the guys got in their teenage years. The guys would come over to my house. We'd watch football, and then we'd talk about sex at halftime. And Kathy would feed us nachos, and we'd talk about sex.
1: <laughs> what could be better than yeah, never mind? Yeah.
0: Nachos no. and a sex talk. I mean, hello. You know, one of the things we're, we really believe in, in fact, it kind of led us start to start the uh, organization More Revolution and write the More Revolution book is we actually feel like that our houses, our homes need to be the place where kids learn about sexuality. We need to have homes where we teach healthy sexuality and where we demonstrate affection to one another so that when our kids leave our homes, when they grow up and leave our homes, they actually don't just get to talk. They actually see a healthy sexual culture. Because how many understand that religion shames sex, the world perverts it, but the kingdom celebrates it in the context of marriage. And there's a, there's a principle called the principle of first mention that says the first person to t- teach you about a subject, that subject becomes the foundation in which you will view that subject whenever it's brought up again. So f- for example, if little Johnny goes to school and his classmates teach him about sexuality, and then at 15 or 16, You teach him about sexuality. He will measure what you say, but but by what he heard first. So it's really important in the life of a child that we actually have a healthy sexual culture where sex is not shamed. Everybody say hello. Sex is not shamed. And where they hear about sexuality from us first, because, you know, the school system has kind of taken over sex education. And we complain about it a lot as Christians, but most of that happened because it wasn't taught at home. And so I think one of the most important things we can do is teach our kids about sexuality. In fact, it's better to do it too soon than it is to do it too late. Because if you happen to do it a little too soon, there might be some, you know, giggling and, and maybe a little bit red face. But how me understand that from that day on, everything else they learn about that subject will be measured by what you taught them. And I actually believe because moms and dads are supposed to lay virtuous foundations in their children's life, that that principle is actually a kingdom principle that God actually invested and created us to actually learn from our parents and then measure everything else from those views. So we tried to make uh, sexuality just be something that didn't have shame on it, that we, you know, we laughed about it, we joked about it, we talked about it around the dinner table, and the kids, you know, we often joked about it. And, um, and so we didn't just have a talk we actually had a healthy sexual culture. And we just really, we really want to encourage you to do the same. It's amazing, you know, we laugh about it now, but it's amazing how many young men learned about their sexuality at our house at halftime football or halftime at basketball game. And, uh, and we just had a, a lot of fun with... Some kids didn't, didn't have a dad. Uh, some of the guys, you know, their mom tried to teach them because they there were single mom homes. And some dads just didn't know exactly how to talk to their kids. So... By the way, a little, a little um, advertisement. We are some, if you want to get on our website, morerevolution.com, there's all kinds of tools to teach your kids about sexuality um, in, there, in that and actually, actually walk you through exactly what do I say if you're uh, nervous about that. Okay, another thing you learned.
1: Um, another thing that I learned was um, find ways of making things work instead of complaining about what isn't working. Um, for instance, and, and that can be a really, that can be a really tough one. Like when we were when we were um, raising kids, we had no money. I mean, no money at all. There was, of course, there's you know times where we had a little bit more than others, but basically there was no money. And so instead of complaining about the situation that I was in, I tried to find the good in the the difficult seasons of life. And so I can remember, um, I can remember taking my grocery money because, you know, I had $200 a month for groceries. That included at that time feeding four of us plus our two dogs. And $200 a month, that's not very much for groceries, but it was...
0: The dogs got skinny in the winter.
1: Oh. (laughs) But that was the only extra money that I even had to be able to, you know, finagle or stretch and do things with. And so, you know, I get creative, like, making a game out of something that's difficult, like, how far can I make this stretch today? Or like becoming um, good at at menu planning, like what is a main dish today can become a side dish tomorrow or a side dish today can become a main dish added to something You used to do 30-day menus, right? I did. money was tight. I did. I would would plan, in fact, I would get big cuts of meat and I'd cut them down, I'd bag them up and I'd label them one, two, day three, day four, day five. And then I had everything already pre-planned. Actually... It's a really fun thing to do. And I think that's starting to kind of come back today. There's all kinds of new things that people are are doing with meal planning and crock pot cooking. But the
0: idea is to collaborate instead of complain.
1: It is. And it's just really easy to complain about what you don't have instead of be thankful for what you do have. And so that's we just need to make sure that as moms, we are um, focusing on the positive and not the negative. Yeah, a couple of
0: things about that. You know, our children learn from experience. So saving our kids from the bad experiences, the tough times, that, I, I want to say like, that's a real mistake. It's really important that when we walk through hard things, obviously there are things the kids can't know. I understand that. But that they actually walk through it with us because how many understand, I remember some of what you told me. I remember more of what you showed me. And I remember every, every time the way you made me feel. So when we walk through tough times, it's important that the kids actually are exposed to those tough times so that it's part of their training. I think as parents, you know, because we all have that protective thing, we're like, we don't want little Johnny little Mary. We don't, we don't, want, them to, we don't want them to feel the pain. But the challenge is, is when they get 18, 19, 20... They've never saw their parents go through anything hard. Mm-hmm. They never walked through financial problems or, or maybe even, even a, a relational conflict that we have. So never saw it, they never saw us demonstrate how to walk through tough times. And I like to say that you know, tough times, it either, it either bonds you or it breaks your marriages. Tough times, I mean, we've done lots of marriage counseling. Tough times either make your marriage better, you collaborate, you, you, you work together to get through this problem, or you blame one another and it becomes a point of of division. So, um, you know, I remember the story. I've told it a few times and I think it's in my my book that is coming out soon. Um, I remember coming home, we were going through a really hard time. Winters, because we were in business in Weaverville, think about it, Weaverville. I mean, it just sounds cold in the winter, doesn't it? And so winters were really, really tough for our business. Our business would, you know, it would would be about half. We'd do about half the amount of business we do on a normal day in the winter. And, uh, and we try to keep all of our employees because otherwise you're looking for employees in the summer. So the three or four months of winter were really, really tough for us. And I remember coming home. I'd average probably about 6.30 coming home at night. Come home 6.30 most nights. And one night I came home. I got done around 5, 5.15. And I just thought, I'm just going to go home. So I go home. It's a winter night. And uh, already, already almost dark. It had been snowing all day. I come up the hill. And instead of the lights being on in our house that was dark, I started to like, I wonder where everybody's at. And Kathy's car didn't have, I hadn't put chains on it. So I'm like, I'm a little concerned about her driving in the snow with all the kids. And our time, our kids were really little. I come up the top of the hill, into, up to where our house is, and I see her car there. So the car's there. It's dark. All the lights are off in the house. I'm like, oh, I'm starting to panic. Like, wonder what happened, what something's wrong. Come, get out of the car, run to the deck. I open the front door, my heart's pounding, and I see three little tents in the room. And I I opened, and and a lantern and the wood stove burning in the background. You know, it's like, I'll be home for Christmas. You know, it's like that. (laughs) I open the door, and I'm like, like, what is going on? And I say, what's going on? And they go, hi, Daddy. And each one of them poked their head out of their little tent. I said, what are you doing? He said, we're playing camping. We're playing camping. And Kathy comes running out of the kitchen, and she's like, "What are you doing, home? So early? You're not supposed to be home until 6:30. It's only 5:15. What are you doing home?" And I'm like, "What? what are you doing? What, what's happened? What, <laughs> is, where's the electricity?" She's like, "Oh, what? You, you weren't supposed. to... Why didn't you call? Tell me." So she's like all you know, you know, nervous and trying to, And so she walks past me onto the deck, and I'm following her. I'm like, I say, "What's going on?" She opens the the electric panel, flips the main switch on, all the electricity comes on. I said, "What?" is going on stop and talk to me she said well things have been really tight and you know i i know you're you're working extra hours and really trying and and i i just wanted to help too and so i've been turning the electricity off in the morning when you leave and i turn it on an hour before you come home and and i said how long you been doing that she said oh about four months there's just something about a family that works together in hard times Mm-hmm. My kids learn how to do life from their little tents, from watching their mama not complain, but do what's necessary to get through a hard time.
1: It's really awesome. One, one morning, the girls come downstairs and they're holding these paper bags and they say, here, mommy, we want to give these to you. Like what, what's inside? I'm thinking it's a little present, and I open it up, and it's all these pennies and nickels and dimes. They had taken their piggy banks and they had emptied them into this bag, and they were wanting to help because they knew that we were going through a really hard time. But and they were so excited. I'm like, girls, we don't. I don't want to take your money. No, mommy, you have to. You have to. We're helping. And it's just the the things that you instill at such an early age in your kids is. It'll last with them forever. You know, I, I've heard, and I, I'm I'm probably not going to get this completely right, but I think by the time a child is like age five or six, they've learned the basic things that they need to know about life, about um, life skills or yeah, their, their core their, their values, core va- their core life. values. And so when we when we're able to you know touch our children at such a young age, it it, it It stays with them forever and it shapes them and it molds them and points them in the right direction and our our kids are so generous now and they're
0: yeah and and it's the it's in those years of watching their mom walk through tough times that was actually instilling in them hey when things get tough tough people rise to the occasion we we arise and shine in dark times we don't run from dark times Great leaders don't run from dark times, who run into dark times, and we help. And they learned that not from their dad, they learned it from their mom. Talk to them about what you learned about consistency. That's a great story you told them for service.
1: Oh, consistency and discipline. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like everybody has the, the, the challenging child to have to deal with. I mean, there's, there's ones that are just really easy to discipline. You can just look at them and they'll cry. Or you can just look at them and they're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then there's the other one.
0: The little devils. Oh. I said little, I was
1: sorry. Anyway, we had one of those other children, and she was all she was two at the time, and you know, Jamie was three, and she, Shannon did something. I don't even remember what it was. She, I think she would hit her sister or something. So, you know, trying to teach them manners and stuff, I said, Shannon, you need to tell Jamie you're sorry. And she just looked at me and I said, Shannon, you need to tell Jamie you're sorry. And she just looked at her and I said, Shannon, you need to tell your sister you're sorry, else you're going to get in trouble. And she just kind of stuck her lip out like... And she just looked at me. So now I'm put in this pickle, I'm put in this predicament. My two-year-old daughter is making me do something or not do something. So I thought, okay, I've already told her she's going to be in trouble if she does not tell her sister she's sorry. So therefore, since I walked into this and opened this door, I needed to follow through with what I said. Well, you would think within, like, 20 minutes it would all be over, it wasn't. It was still going at 6.30 at night. I was in tears. She was in tears. I didn't know what to do with her anymore, and I put her upstairs in her room. I think she was actually still in a crib, I think, for some reason. We didn't have an extra bed for her, so she, I think she was still in her crib. And I'm just, I am, I am fried. I am just frazzled, and I don't know what to do. And I keep thinking... It's so
0: cool to think of someone that's this peaceful. <sighs> angry. It just does my heart good. I don't know what it is. It's, <laughs> just watching somebody that's normal, peaceful, just totally screwed up, it just makes me feel <laughs> so good.
1: And I so wanted to stop, you know, just to stop that whole discipline process. But I thought, I started this. I cannot stop. I cannot stop. I could have chosen in the beginning not to say you're going to get in trouble, and then I could have stopped. But since I started this process, I needed to go forward. So it was... Chris walked through the door. it's 6.30 at night. At 6.30 at night. And as soon as he walked through the door, I was like a wild animal that got caged up. And the door just finally opened. I was out of there. And I, I remember looking. She goes,
0: I'm going.
1: Goodbye. I, I remember saying as I was passing him. She is all yours. <laughs> yeah. So I'm running down the stairs. I jump in the car. I start it. I drive down the road. And I'm thinking, what in the heck are you doing? And at that point, I didn't care. I just needed to get out of there. And I'm bawling the whole way. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. What did I just do? I just left her with him.
0: It's all right. We had duct tape back then. Only Didn't come in multiple colors, only silver, but it was still nice.
1: So about 45 minutes later, I'm coming back to the house. And I'm, I'm walking in the house, hoping that everything is like calm and peaceful and Next thing I know, Chris is running down the stairs, and he's like, ah! <laughs> I guess the situation is still the same, honey. So we're, we're sitting on the couch, and we just don't know what to do. It's like, what, what do you do when you've done everything that you can do? And so finally, I hear this little <laughs> And I look upstairs on our loft, and there's Shannon, and she's holding on to the little bars. looks like she's in jail. And And she's like, her little lip is quivering, and she's like, hi, 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 hi. She's hyperventilating. She can't even get it out. Hi, sorry, mommy. I'm sorry, mommy. And I'm just bawling, thinking, Shannon, why didn't you say that like 15 hours ago? But you know, there was moms, I feel for you. I so understand and I so feel for you, but when you start something, you have to finish. You, you have to finish. And those people, especially those that are single moms that are trying to do this themselves, you have no break. You have nobody to come next to you at 6.30 at night saying, honey, I'll take over from here. So I just want to encourage.
0: I don't ever remember saying that, but thank you. Maybe that's the way the Lord's retelling the story.
1: Oh, you know what? I'll tell you a funny I'll tell you a funny story. Oh, the first no. the first time I ever left the first time I ever left Jamie with him, she was like nine months old. He had never changed a diaper. And in fairness to him, we never use pampers or anything. We always use cloth diapers with the pins. But he never That's he, the
0: reason. No, it, was it wasn't. It was very complicated and I couldn't, couldn't figure it out. Reason. Wasn't the reason. Oh, wait, wait. I got to tell them this part.
1: I'm not it. The first
0: time you left her for one hour, when the, she was like about four months old, she goes, I'm going to the store. I'll be back. I just changed her. I'm like, "You're gonna, how long are you been to I'll be gone. One hour. She's sleeping. She walks out the door <laughs> and about 15 minutes goes by and she poops everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. And I'm a brand new dad. I didn't know what to do. So I picked her up. I took her to the next door neighbor.
1: He didn't even know the next A Mexican next door family, neighbor. I've never
0: met him before. He didn't know them. But I know, I know, Mexican mothers, they know everything about kids. I knocked on the door and said, hi, I'm your next door neighbor. My wife just left the, this, my baby with me, I have no idea what to do. She's like, oh, thank you, bring her in. <laughs> he changed her for me and she did that probably four or five times while we were living there. This is, like, not how to father.
1: It gets worse. So then I'm getting ready to go to, like, a, I don't know, a woman's meeting or something. She's, like, nine months old at the time. She's she's already walking. She started walking really early. She's sitting up in a high chair. And I find out he snuck it in. I find out he bought two different half-gallon ice creams, a chocolate and a vanilla. And he bought black licorice, and he bought something else because he didn't know what she would like while he was babysitting her. I come home, he's sitting in the family room watching TV, Jamie is passed out in her ice cream bowl with her head on the side, black licorice everywhere all over her mouth, and ice cream on the side of her face.
0: I don't don't remember that. So what would you like to tell dads? You'd like to say to dads what? On Mother's Day, dad, you need to...
1: You need to be there and be involved (laughs) without bringing them... Two different kinds of ice cream and black (laughs) licorice. Don't do that. No, really. You know, um, really, seriously. Dads, when you punch out from work, you know, you may be working from 9 to 5, and you may punch out that time card and and come home. But as soon as you open that front door, you're punching in to your second job. And your job doesn't end until um, the lights go out.
0: I remember a a dad was changing a diaper in. uh, and somebody walked by and said, oh, you got, oh, you got babysitting, duty." and his, And the wife said, no, that's her, that's their dad. It's not a babysitter. That's their dad. Yeah. Nobody told me that. In innocence, I sinned. <laughs> Moving on.
1: <laughs> no, really, there is, but dads really, moms, they, they need help, you know? And I think that was, I think that was my biggest mistake was I didn't, I didn't tell Chris I need help. I thought I was the superwoman that could do everything. You were. No. No. I needed I needed help and I should have I should have told you. I liked I when have... you
0: didn't communicate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
1: But then what about what about the single moms that don't have, you know, a dad where somebody's What would you say to them? I would say, you know what, this, I'm speaking to everybody else that, that's not a parent right now or is a parent that maybe your kids are up and grown and gone, jump in there. Help somebody. If you know, you know, if you know a young mom, if you know a mom that has young kids, she needs your help. She really does. You know, Make yourself available to her, even if it's only an hour to, to help out to do something, because just an hour break will help reset her sanity. It'll totally help reset our sanity. And each of us can, you know, do something for somebody, even if it's only a short amount of time. A lot of times we think, I don't have all day, so we just do nothing. Instead of saying, well, I have 15 minutes, or I have a half hour, or I have an hour, let me just hold your baby, or let me just do something while you go to the bathroom by yourself. I mean, that could literally be a big deal.
0: That would be a big deal.
1: No, you haven't been a mom. It is a big deal. See, moms, how many of you, to go to the bathroom by yourself, is that a big deal?
0: It's a big deal. I'm, I, I bet it would be.
1: I can remember. <laughs> it I takes
0: can, a village.
1: To raise a to child. To raise a child. It does.
0: I love that. You, were you going to say something?
1: Yeah, I was. Okay. I can remember. Um, I can remember sometimes getting so overwhelmed by what I thought my day was gonna be. Any moms ever get that way? It's like the same, you know what's gonna happen. And so I was getting ready to get up and the Lord said, "Um, I wanna have a conversation with you. So I just let the Lord talk to me and he said, you know how you you tend to get kind of frazzled when, when the kids get up in the morning and things aren't going right? And I said, well, when things go wrong over and over and over, yeah, I do kind of get frazzled. He said, I'm going to teach you on what you're going to do. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be pretty good. So the Lord just went through situations, things that would happen day after day. Like Shannon, when she was two, she decided that she was going to be able to pour her own milk into the cereal bowl. Almost every single morning she thought she could do it. And almost every single morning the milk ended up on the floor. And every single morning I was like, ah! You know, it's like, Shannon, I told you not to do that. Instead of saying, let me help you. And so the Lord said, you know what? In the morning, Shannon's going to try and pour the milk into the cereal bowl. And it's probably going to go on the floor. But instead of getting irritated and upset, you're just going to take a rag. I mean, he went through step by step by step. You're going to take a rag. You're going to get it wet. You're just going to kneel down with her. And you're going to teach her how to clean up after her messes. And then you're going to hug her and let her know that she did a really good job. At the same time, I was doing all the accounting for our businesses, and we had four businesses at the time, and I was doing it at home. And the Lord said, you know, when you get to the place where your books just won't balance and you're so frustrated and the kids are saying, Mommy, can we go and play? And you're, you get angry instead of saying, oh, sure. You're like, I need to fix this. I need to find my problem. I need to find my mistake. He said, you're just going to stop. You're going to put your pencil down. And you're going to take the kids and you go on a walk. Or you're going to go out and throw balls with the dogs. And then when you come back in and you're all relaxed, you're going to find your problem. And he went through, I mean, just situation after situation after situation with me. And, you know, you would think that that's really, you know, kind of not a very big thing. But I tell you what, the next morning when I woke up and Shannon was trying to pour the milk into her cereal bowl and it spilt all over the floor, I laughed in the devil's face. I laughed in the face of the devil because I said, I know what to do now. And It was just, in my whole mindset, it was just changing your mindset from looking at the negative to looking at the positive. You only have one chance at this. You only have one shot at this. And we want to do it right. And no matter what's happening in your world around you, your kids are your most important thing. And the job as a mom is a thing that you've been blessed with. It's the gift that you've been given. Every single child that's been given to you is a gift from God. And God has entrusted you to raise up that child. That the way they
0: should go. That's beautiful. You talked about having a well, that's beautiful. I just don't want to miss this practical point because we talked um, yesterday about, this, about doing this together. We talked, you talked about having a mom team because oh, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of uh, single parents and a lot of uh, even, you know, just times like we were in, there's not money for babysitters. And so in, in this whole idea of moms needing a break, You had a mom team, about five or six of you, I think, kind of made a a, a, kind of a covenant together, right?
1: Yeah. Well, we had no, you know, we had no money to pay babysitters, but we did have resources of one another, and so we would we would take turns of having each other's kids over the house and making a fun play day out of it, and so it doesn't cost any money to do that, and it gives the other moms a break. So I just encourage you to you know, find some other moms that are in the same situation that you were in or somebody else that would wanna jump in to do that for you and just you know get some breaks because it's really important as a mom that you guys get a break. And it's, even, it's important for you to be able to look forward to something. So if it's like on the same day, it's really important. Chris was really um, awesome at this. We had a woman's... <laughs> <laughs> he was... We had women's meetings. I can't remember now. I don't know if they were once a week. I think they were once a month. We would have a women's gathering, and I can re- <laughs> I can remember Chris watching all the kids in our house by himself. And at the time, without drugs,
0: <laughs> it's a miracle.
1: At the time, I mean the kids were little. I think Brian was he was about two, and I'll I'll never forget the time I'd come home, and Brian had had. I think Eric was in our coat room and our coat closet. They were playing hide and go seek. I mean, it was it was pretty chaotic in there, but he was watching them. <laughs> and Eric was in the coat closet and Brian was standing right in front of the closet, and I'll never forget this. As soon as I walked through the door, the kids heard me, and Eric came flying out of that coat closet, opened the door and slammed right into Brian's head, and Brian went flying backwards and Brian always had this little he had his finger in his mouth all the time he sucked his thumb and he always had a little blankie
0: and he never cried
1: he never cried he 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 got Eric hit him so hard he went flying and he landed on his butt and he just put his finger in his mouth (laughs) and his blanket up by his thing and, but Chris was so good. I mean, he, he, took, he took all of them, and he would, he would try to give us a break. And, and,
0: and Brian did a mural on the girl's bedroom wall with crayon.
1: <laughs> that was during Revival Group. I go upstairs, and I'm like, I can't believe it. There is writing with and he crayon. Signed <laughs> he signed it. He
0: signed it.
1: Probably we're worth some money now that you're you know, kind of famous.
0: We weren't thinking that at the time, though. We painted over like 18 times and a cram like, came through. Who
1: did this? Of course, none of them are saying anything until I look at the end, very end, Brian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So we have a lot of times, I, you know, one of the things that is important is that kids get to see how you solve conflicts between the two of you. Now, I remember this one time in particular, we're, we weren't yellers and screamers. We didn't, I'm not saying we've never raised our voice. Of course we did, but it's not, that wasn't our home. I grew up in a home that yelled and screamed, so we were like, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. But um, I remember one time we were in a conflict in, in the kitchen, and, and one of our sons was, was uh, sitting having breakfast, I believe. And I, was, and I just was, got really rude to Kathy. About an hour later, I went in the room and said, I'm really sorry, you didn't deserve that. Would you forgive me? Yeah, I'll forgive you went to bed that night and the Lord said you didn't ask your son to forgive you and if he doesn't see you asking your, if, you, if he doesn't see you cleaning up your mess with your wife he's going to think it's okay to treat a woman like that so the next so, the, so that night so the next morning all the kids I got all the kids together I think they were all teenagers at the time mm-hmm. and I got them together in front of room hey before you go to school I want to talk to you a few minutes I, oh no dad's got a new message uh oh what's he got it now so I got them all on the couch. I still remember them. They're like, how long is this going to take? <laughs> so I said, and I brought Kathy and I said, yesterday I was rude to your mother. And, um, and I asked her to forgive me. And you forgave me, right? And she's like, yes, I did. And I said, so I, I'd like you to forgive me. Would you forgive me for being rude to your mother? Like, yep, we're done. All right, we done? Yeah, all right. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> that evening, I think it was that evening or the next evening, one of my sons came in and, was, and I was in the, in the back room and and I heard him being rude to his mom. So I came out of the bathroom and I said, Hey, hey, look at me. You don't, you don't treat my wife with disrespect. you understand me? He said, You did yesterday. I said, Yeah, but you forgave me. And when you forgave me, forgiveness restores the standard. So that you no longer can use that against me because you forgave it. He goes, Whatever. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. I don't think he knew this big spiritual but how many understand that if you don't two things. One is this, is that your kids need to watch you clean up messes. They need to know you have conflicts, and they need to see how do you, passionate people clean up their messes, and how do they get restored so that they're not how many understand, when you ask for forgiveness, you can no longer use that thing anymore in a dialogue. Right? You can't say, you did that three times last week if you forgave me for the last two <laughs> times, because forgiveness restores a standard. And by the way, if you, don't know what, if you don't ask God to forgive you, and if you don't receive forgiveness, you can't lead your children past your worst day. Yeah,
1: that's good. Let's
0: say that you're, you were immoral in, in high school or whatever, and now you have high school kids, and you watch them kind of starting to you know, dabble in the immorality. How many understand you feel like you're a hypocrite trying to address that if you haven't realized that when you asked Jesus to forgive you, it restored you How many know, repentance, restored to the pinnacle? You're restored as if you had never fallen before. And what I'm getting at is this. Your worst day can't be the lowest place. It can't be the high place that you correct your children from. And so we we taught our kids that forgiveness restores a standard. And that when you forgive, if you forgave mom and dad, you can no longer use that in a conversation again against us. So that's a good word. It's really good. independence, dependence, kids, when kids are growing up, they move from, how many know, from dependent, like they can't live without you, right? We just talked about the diaper situation. How many know, understand if you don't change their diapers, they're going to drown and ain't going to be in the sea love. So, and they need to be fed, right? You understand what I'm, where I'm going. I'm saying when kids are little, they're in dependent mode. But something happens when they move from dependence. How many know they go, it kind of goes like this. They move from dependence to independence to interdependence. When they move from dependence to independence, how many understand the way you father and mother them needs to change? Because this is the season where God is teaching them how to actually be people, how to actually do it themselves. And God doesn't have any grandkids, He only has kids. Yeah. So sometimes in our passion to make sure everything goes well in the life of our children, we don't, let them, we don't let them have their own, if you will, relationship with God and let them make their own mistakes. And so when in this, uh, this season of our life, when we were watching our kids grow up, you know, we want our kids to move from dependence to independence to interdependence. And we'd like to see them get that interdependent piece before they leave the home. But they, the goal of raising children is that when they get 18, 19, 20, that they have already made most of the decisions for their life for a couple, three or four years. So in other words, in the last couple of years of fathering and mothering is more like a life coach. Like they're making the decisions. You're giving them a chance to take risks. You're not, you're not saving them every time they need to be saved. And they are, they're, they're making mistakes while they have a coach that's there with them. Are you with me? I even like, and I understand this doesn't work for all kids, but I even like kids to have uh, dating relationships before they leave the home because I want them to understand what it's like to to you know, to be betrayed or or to have a broken heart. And I, I want to be with them and walking through what's it like to have a romantic relationship. And I don't want that to happen when they're you know, eight, 19, 20, and then mom and dad aren't there to help them walk through. Mm-hmm. And I understand some kids aren't mature enough for that, but I'm just giving you examples like can we not protect our children be like the helicopter dad and mom? Mm-hmm. And so we went through a season when we were working with our kids and, and uh, we, were, we were learning some things. And one of the things we did is like, okay, how are we going to let them make decisions about their life? And one of the things we did, we said, okay, we don't want them, this, we, had three, we had three core values. We don't want them pregnant. We don't want them dead. And we don't want them on drugs. <laughs> so Bill and Benny taught us, have a few rules, but enforce them like the Ten Commandments. So we don't have lots of rules. We just had a few rules. And so we started doing things like when our kids got to be teenagers, there was no curfew. Like you could stay up all night if you want. But, this, but, if you, but with authority comes responsibility. Mm-hmm. So if you stay up all night, then you have to get up on time to catch the bus in the morning, and there are no rides. So key, this... key, key is there are no rides.
1: So this one morning,
0: <laughs> here we go, <laughs> Miss Mercy,
1: one of our sons gets up and he had been up all, he had been up all night. I, I, in fact, I, I woke up a couple times and he was still on the couch watching there, TV.
0: Well, yeah, that night.
1: Yeah, he was watching TV and I'm thinking, this is not going to be pretty in the morning and I'm already preparing myself. So he, the alarm goes off and he hits it and the alarm goes off again and he hits it and He's now really late, and I'm thinking, okay, okay. This, and this is like tor- this is torture for me because I am Miss Mercy, but I'm trying to be, you know, that tough mom. So Dad comes down the stairs, and I won't say which one of the boys did that. <laughs>
0: Jay's yelling, "It wasn't me."
1: So Jason's older brother, Gene, actually, Gene comes, he comes running down the stairs, Mom, Mom, I need you to take me to school. And before I could say anything, Chris said...
0: I said, "Um, your mother's tired, she'll be sleeping in today.
1: And I'm thinking, oh, this is killing me. And he goes, no, Mom, I'm late. I got I, I, The bus already came, and I, I'm late. I can't be late to school, and, and I, said, I, I need a ride. And you said.
0: Sounds like you have a problem. I'm not sure what you're going to do about it. But I know what we're not doing.
1: Oh, man, as a mom, that was the hardest thing for me to bite my tongue and not to say, jump in the car. I'll run you up to school. But I looked over at Chris. And I was.
0: doing the mean look i was doing the mean look like do not do this so he was like you mean you're not mom's not going to take me to school no nope, mom's sleeping in today okay can you take me to school no no i'm very busy well what do you expect me to do i'm not really sure i'm not sure sure did you miss the bus yes yes i did oh you run track don't you yes oh do you want a suggestion yes Why don't you try practicing? Like you can run from here to school. That's three miles. Oh, wow. That would be a lot of practice. So finally, he's like, you're not going to help me. I'm helping you, son. You just don't know it yet. So finally, about 15 minutes goes by, he slams the door. He takes off walking. I take off to work. I pass him.
1: It gets worse.
0: I roll down the window, I beep. I love you. I love you. Have a
1: good day at school. But you know, he always...
0: He got up he after always that. always got up after that. Never
1: missed the bus you know? after that. You know, that was, that was... We only have like two minutes left, but that, that was really hard for me. I'm like Miss Mercy, and Chris isn't. And so... <laughs> That was really, that was really difficult in, in especially the older years. I think of our, our kids and, and making decisions, and me trying to undo what he was trying to do. We we adopted our oldest son when he was 15, so it wasn't like getting him when he was, you know, a baby or really young. So with a 15-year-old comes, you know, a lot of things that they've learned. Um, that they needed to unlearn and things that they didn't learn that they needed to learn, and the first year that he was with us, it was like we got all our kids together saying, "Okay, with Gene, this for this first year, it's going to be grace extended because so Gene that's, didn't have to keep the rules." We got
0: the kids together before we took him in and said, "Do you guys all want a new brother?" And they said, "Yes." And we said, "Okay, Gene's coming out of this situation, so Gene's going to have one year where he doesn't have to keep all the rules. He only has to keep some of the rules, but you still have to keep all the rules." Like, that's our agreement if we bring Gene in. They're like, that's good.
1: But then, you know, year two came around, and then it was time for Chris to teach him how to become a man and the things that he needed to learn that he should have learned and that our other kids learned years prior, but he just had never learned those things. And so it, that was, I think if we, Chris and I had ever had conflict, that's where our conflict came, was, was being in agreement on what we were going to do and how we were going to discipline and the standards we were going to hold to.
0: And what we learned from Bill Johnson after a fight, <laughs> Bill said, you guys need to be on the same page. Like, whatever you do, a house divided will fall. Mm. So you make a decision together about how you're going to deal with each one of these situations, and you can, you, know, you can compromise so that you come to an agreement, but then you both hold the standard so that they don't play, your kids don't play, yeah. the parents against one another. And you know what happens is the more Kathy would extend mercy, the more strict I would get. And that, that's just a bad plan. So I st- we still remember that day. We actually, we've oh, actually yeah. talked about it several times. When we went home, we made an agreement, talked through the situations. there was four or five different ones where we disagreed on where, you know, the standard that, that he would have to adhere to. We, we made a decision, and we, we collaborated. And I remember the first time Jean walked in the room, and we were collaborating. It was obvious it was time to grow up. Mm -hmm. So, that's great. Well, we just want to pray for you all. Why don't you stand? I'm going to have Kathy pray for you this this morning. And we want to just bless motherhood. But how many know we need to bless fathers, too? Hello. So, why don't you just do that?
1: Father, I just thank you for every mom that's in this room. Lord, I thank you for every natural mom and every spiritual mom. Father, so that should encompass everybody that's here. And Lord, just... We just pray your blessing on each, each and every single person, Lord. Father, that you would give them the heart, you give them direction, you give them guidance, you give them perseverance. Father, especially for these new moms, Lord, perseverance, that you give them favor. And Lord, just knowing that they are raising up world changers, that what they're doing is making a difference, that their, their, their um, responsibility is, is great, and it's something that you've entrusted to each one of them. So, Lord, I thank you for just honoring and the honor of women this morning. We say thank you to each mom that's here. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Mother's Day. Come Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast is now being translated in several languages. Visit podcasts.ibethel.org.